Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Amen. So we are doing a circle check. Uh, I think most of you have your card and uh, understand uh, what we're doing in this series together is looking at our circles. And we understand that circles are important because they represent to us very important relationships. And so we have uh, the family circle. And every time I say that, I want to break out in my best Johnny Cash, will the circle be unbroken, O Lord, in that land by and by? And then we have our church family circle. We are members in particular of his body, but we are members, the Bible says, of one another, bone of bone and flesh of flesh, so that when you are honored, I rejoice, and when you are sad and weeping, I weep along with you. We have a circle of friends. We talk about our circle of influence whether it's in church or at home or on the job or in school, we have a certain circle of influence that um, we are aware of, that what we say and what we do influences others. And then we have circles of what I call love. I always enjoy doing a wedding because my favorite part is I look at the couple after they've changed vows and I say, and what token do you bring that is symbolic of the sincerity of your love? And they hand me a ring. And I hold that ring up and I say, the wedding ring is, con is constructed in an unending, unbroken circle. And that is symbolic of this couple's unending, unbroken love for one another. So as Pastor Steve says each week, those that are the closest, they matter the mostest. That's not good English, but those that are close matter most. And we understand that if circles function properly, then we all are benefited by it. But if they don't function properly, then we never fully harvest their benefits or we exit the circle. We hop in and out of circles, never finding our needs and our expectations met. And then as Pastor Steve says, we usually suffer in isolation and call it independence. And so what we're doing is a circle check. We expect our circle to provide certain things to us. But on the other hand, we are expected to provide certain things to the circle. And so we're asking ourselves these two questions. Am I doing these necessary things for my circle? And is my circle doing these necessary things for me? And Pastor Steve shared with us that there are 59 different statements in the Bible concerning one another, those one another statements. And they provide us this circle check. There is one core component in the middle, and then there are six others that circle around it. And of course, that core component is love. For the Bible tells us that we must love one another. That's the central core of our circle. We love one another, the Bible says, with a pure heart fervently. 
And it's interesting in that verse of Scripture that the word love is a unique Greek word for love. It is not the love that we know, uh, normally associate with one another, which is uh, philo or philio, which means deep and abiding affection. But when the Bible instructs us to love one another, it uses the Greek word agape or agape. And it literally means God's type of love. And it's defined like this. God's love is a love that seeks the best for the object of its affection without regard for cost to itself. That's a mouthful. It is a love that seeks the best of the object of its affection and it never takes consideration for what it cost you. That's God's type of love. That's God in Christ Jesus dying on the cross, redeeming us from our sins. An example of that was I read a story of a man who was injured. He was newly married and he was injured in a horrible accident. And when he came out of recovery, his face was terribly disfigured. He was hurt and bitter and ashamed to be seen in public. And because of what had happened to him and the disfiguration of his face, he shut himself in the house. He didn't want to be around anybody. He didn't want anyone to see him. He didn't want anyone. He was so hurt and devastated over what had happened to him and how he had changed so drastically. And that bitterness drove him to shut everyone else out, including his wife, his new wife. And so she goes to a plastic surgeon and, and the doctor says, I, in reviewing his case, I think I can help him and I can change him. But he wouldn't listen. And finally, one day, the wife comes to the plastic surgeon and says, I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to operate on me. And I want you to disfigure my face so that he will let me back in to his life. That's the type of love we're talking about. A God type of love where we love one another, where we seek the best for you without regard for what it costs me. That's the central core. And then around that core, every one of these other one another statements uh, begin to rotate or circle. The first one is, as we've already done, is that we confess our faults and we forgive one another. In fact, the Bible says, be a kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. In the same manner that you have been forgiven, now you forgive one another. And then we confess our faults, our sins, our missteps, our shortcomings, our failures one to another. Why? So that we can pray for one another, that we might live together whole and healed. That's what James says that we are to confess our faults one to another. Do you know why we used to have Wednesday evening service or Wednesday night, what we call prayer meeting in our church? Because we came out of Methodism. And John Wesley with the Methodists believed in that verse of Scripture that you must confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that we can all live in this circle of relationship healed and whole. And they would meet on Wednesday night and they would actually do it. Uh, we met on Wednesday night, and sometimes we got around to prayer. But every Wednesday night that they met, they would have a circle, and they would confess their faults and their sins and their missteps that week one to another so that they would know how to pray for one another, that they could live together whole and healed. And then the second one was that we are to serve one another. We are to bear one another's burdens, the Scripture says, that we might fulfill the law of Christ. And then uh, Steve online this past week did pray for one another. Uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
The heartfelt continued prayer of a man that is in right relationship with God makes much power available, dynamic in its working. But Steve warned us to remember that prayer is not a substitute for service. It's as we serve one another in love that then we know intelligently how to fervently pray for one another's needs. And so we love one another, we confess and forgive one another, we serve one another, and we pray for one another. And today, the next one is we encourage one another. And uh, there's lots of scripture that Pastor Steve has, and I'm going to do, I'm going to do some of them uh, let's, let's start with First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this, just keep on doing it. And so the scripture says that we are to encourage one another. And so my outline will be a little bit different than his, but the first thing we need to do is to to understand what is encouragement. So let's define that word. What does the Bible mean when it uses the term encourage one another? The word means to persuade, to urge forward, to give counsel, to exhort, to implore. It means to give solace to someone, to comfort someone, to console someone. It literally means that you come along someone's side. That's the base word, the the paracletes, the the individual that comes to your side to assist you. It was a term they used for lawyers in those days. Someone that would officially come into the court, come alongside of you to aid in your defense. And so it meant someone that comes to another side to console them, to comfort them, to exhort them, to uh, give them courage and strength. It literally meant someone that comes to one side to speak a word or to do an act in such a way as to produce courage and strength in another. It literally is a word that means we give heart to one another. Discourage means to be without heart. And so encourage meant that we come to somebody's side and with a word that we speak or a deed that we do, we restore their heart. We restore their strength. We restore their comfort. That's what encouragement is. Amen. It's just a spoken word or a timely deed. The right word or the right deed at the right moment coming alongside another individual that needs to be consoled and comforted and inspired that they need their heart back. And by speaking that word and doing that act, we give them heart. We propel them forward so that they can go on. Stories told of a man that came home absolutely brokenhearted and devastated. He had just been fired from his job. He expected his wife to react by saying, oh my, what are we going to do now? How could you be so foolish as to lose your job? But instead, when he walked in and said, honey, they fired me today. She said, good, with a big smile. And she said, now you can write your book. And he said, oh yeah, what are we going to live on while I write my book? 
And she opened a drawer and pulled out a handful of bills, money that she had taken out of her household budget every day and every week and put aside. And she said, we can live on this because I know that you are a genius and I know that you're gonna write a masterpiece. And he began to write. And because of that act and deed of his wife's encouragement, a copy of that book is now in every library in America. It's called A Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. That's what encouragement is. It's that word. It's that act. It's that deed that, that immediately inspires us and gives us our heart back. That's what encouragement is. So what does encouragement do? Well, it helps us spur others on to uh, everlasting hope in life. It provokes them. It stirs them up. In fact, the Bible says to provoke one another to love and to good deeds. Well, we usually provoke one another, but it, <clears throat> it, you have to know what that word means. It doesn't mean to agitate in that sense. It means that we spur someone on. We get them excited again. We provoke them to love and to do good deeds. It is an act or a word that spurs another onward, that moves them forward in their relationship to and their journey with God. It gives them heart to go on when they don't think they can make another step. That's what encouragement does. Second thing that encouragement does is it helps us live in the hope of his second coming or his appearing. That's in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For Paul is trying to encourage the Thessalonians and he says this, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air, the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there we shall ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort, encourage one another with these words. And later he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is, but even the more come together as you see that day approaching. So that encouragement gives us the hope and the assurance of his coming, that the Lord himself is going to come back for his own. Jesus told his disciples, if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Why is that important? Because we live in troubled times. We live in uncertainty of pandemics and, and political upheaval and, and, and worldwide chaos. Even in our own families and our situations in this life, we find ourselves troubled and agitated by what's going on in the world. But what we need to remember, what brings us encouragement is no matter what the conditions, Jesus is coming again. That's his promise. And that promise is, Paul says, an anchor of our soul. It is sure and steadfast and it reaches behind the veil. He's talking about the Old Testament temple. You know that. It reaches behind the veil that separates the holies of holies where God is or the ark of God's glory and Shekinah is from the rest of the temple. The hope that we have is sure and steadfast. Hope is not, I hope it happens in the Bible. That's not what it means. It means it's assurance. 
This assurance of his coming we have. And it is an anchor of our soul that reaches behind the veil of this life and anchors us to eternity because Jesus is going to come again. No matter how bad it gets, no matter who's in political power, no matter financial upheaval, no matter what diseases we face, the promise is Jesus is going to come again. And that brings us heart and it spurs us on in our daily walk with God. He that was to come will come and will not delay. Behold, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. It is even at the door. When you see all these things beginning to come to pass, lift up your head, look up. Behold, your redemption draweth nigh. Unto those that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin, no more cross, but unto salvation, the crown of eternal life. That's what encouragement does. It helps us to live in the hope of his second coming. And then the next thing it does is it helps us to live holy, the sanctified life. He said to encourage one another while it is called today so that your hearts will not be hardened. That's in Hebrews chapter three and verse 13. While it is yet today, while we yet call today today, then encourage one another so that your heart will not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And the word hardened there is our word for concrete. Don't let your heart become like concrete. Well, that you're no longer sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. You're no longer sensitive to the correction and the, and the chastisement of the Lord. And he does that so that we can live holy in this life. So that we can continue this walk with God day by day. These things, the Bible says, are written that we sin not. So that we can live above sin. In other words, the Bible says, God forbid. How can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Greater is he that is within us than he that is within this world. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us so that we are no longer slaves to sin. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, the scripture says. And so encouragement helps us to remember that we are not helpless victims, but we are hopeful victors. Amen. And so we exhort one another. We stir one another up. We encourage and provoke one another to continue living in love and doing good deeds. Amen. Are you with me? Okay. So how do we defeat this sin in our life? Well, through the word. That's the sword of the spirit. Through the whole armor of God. Through prayer. Through fasting. Through spiritual disciplines. Until we have built up within us the encouragement and the hope that we are overcomers in Jesus Christ. So that's what encouragement is and that's what encouragement does. But the big question is, what and who encourages us? Well, the first thing is in Hebrews 6 and verse 18. And it's there that the Bible says, God has sworn by an oath and given a promise and by those two things that are unchangeable, we have hope who have fled to him for refuge and we take hold of his promises. What gives us hope in encouragement is that we've taken hold of his word. We have the hope and the encouragement of the scriptures. For the promises of the God are yea and amen. 
All the promises of God in him are yes and so be it unto you. His word will never fail. It will never return void. All of his word is truth. And therefore we can seize the promises of God and they bring strength and help and solace and encouragement to our heart. His word never fails. And the Bible says God is a ever-present help in the time of need. That God is near to those that have broken in a contrite heart. That he is one that sticketh closer than a brother. The, rip, the scripture says that in all these things we are more than conquerors and nothing can ever separate us from the fact of God's love. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And we take hold and we seize these promises. We, we hide the scripture in our heart so that we'll not sin against God. And it constantly propels and encourages us to move forward. That's what encourages us. But who encourages us? Well, first of all, our Savior does. Remember what John 14, 1 and 4 says? Huh. The, devil, uh, the, the devil had agitated the hearts of the disciples. They were all concerned about what was about to happen in Jerusalem. Jesus had tried to tell them he'd be delivered into the hands of wicked men that mock and revile and crucify him third day. They never got it. And so he looks at them sitting around that table in the upper room and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't let your hearts become hardened like cement. But he said, you believe in God, don't you? Has God ever failed you? Well, then believe also in me. Believe in my person. Believe in who I am. Believe in my promise. I go to prepare a place for you. Believe in my power. If I go to prepare it, I can do it. And not only that, believe in my place. If I prepare that place for you, then believe in my parousia or my return. Because if I prepare it, then I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. It's our Savior who gives us heart and encourages. But it's not only the Savior, it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, do you know what the name of the Holy Spirit is? Paracletes. That's the same word for encouragement. Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to pray the Father and he's going to send you another comforter. Paracletes. Encourager. One that comes along to your side and carries the load that you cannot carry by yourself. He is the one that will come to your aid and your assistance. And when he's come, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll show you things to come. He'll recall all things to your memory. Whatsoever things I've said unto you, he'll pray through you with groanings and utterances that you know not. He'll give you the power to be a witness. He'll mortify the deeds of the flesh. He'll quicken your mortal body. He'll give you ability and efficiency and might that is beyond your own. He will bring encouragement. Uh, I got her. Do you remember the Old Testament story of when Abraham sent his servant Eliezer, which means comforter or encourager or helper, to find a bride for his son Isaac? You remember that? And he goes and he finds uh, Rebecca. Rebecca's never seen Isaac. She has no concept of what he looks like. But the servant comes to Rebecca and gives her treasures out of a bag, physical treasures. And then he puts her on a camel to start her on her journey back to Isaac. And when the camel arrives and she sees Isaac out in the field, she's never laid eyes on him before. 
But immediately she says, stop the camel. That's the one that my heart loves. And she runs to meet him and they come together in that consummation of love. How in the world? Because Eliezer was with her. The comforter, the encourager, all the way from her land to Isaac. He's telling her about the master. He's telling her about how handsome he is and how wonderful he is and how kind. And by the time she gets there, she already knows him. Oh, don't you understand that when the Holy Spirit comes, he doesn't speak of himself. He testifies of Jesus if you're full of the Holy Spirit, then he is constantly telling you about the beauty of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the mercy of Jesus so that when we come into his presence, we're going to know him immediately because it's the Holy Spirit who comforts us. And then quickly, we have sometimes to encourage ourselves. You know, the devil doesn't fight fear. Did you know that? You remember the story of David at Ziglag? He's out on the front of the battlefield fighting the enemy. And while he's out on the front line fighting the devil, comes around behind and attacks his city called Ziglag. And, uh, and now he finds that his family is in bondage. All of his goods are, are captured and the city is burned with fire. And his own men are threatened to stone him. And the Bible said he cried until he couldn't cry anymore. And then the Bible said, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I don't know how you think David encouraged himself. Maybe he remembered the song that he had written. You know, uh, it's in your songbook. It's page 23. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Or maybe at 68, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Maybe he sang songs. <clears throat> you know what I think he did? I think he sent his servant out to his donkey and said, open the saddlebags. And on one side, you'll find this bearskin rug. Would you, would you bring it and lay it right here before me? And then would you go on the other side of the saddlebag and get that lion skin rug and put it right here before me? And then reach around under my tent and bring me that sword of Goliath, for there's not another like it. And when David sees the sweetness and the victory over past enemies, he is encouraged. He's not discouraged in tears, but he is encouraged that God never changes. And if he delivered the lion and the bear into my hands and brought the giant down, he can help me take everything that seems to be lost back again. He encouraged himself. I had to do that not long ago. I was in a revival in Virginia in the midst of this pandemic. It wasn't going real well. It's a Northwest Baptist Church, a good friend of mine, Danny Campbell, and, and, and that, you know, it was 15, 20 people was about all who were coming out. And right in the middle of that, right in the middle of that revival, I get the phone call from Apache, Oklahoma. And one of my best friends in this life and in the Lord, Pastor Bud Jones, whom we shared such precious fellowship, not only in service and worship, but on the golf course and friendship for 50 years, had succumbed to leukemia and it died. My heart was shattered. I, I know where Buddy is. That's, that's not it. I just miss him. And I understood what it's going to be like for Sherry and the family to be without Bud, pillar of their family. My heart was shattered. And now, man of faith, I've, I've got to get ready and go preach a revival service. I don't feel like preaching a revival service. My heart was burdened 
Didn't know what I was going to do. I was on my way to church. It's about five or six miles that I had to drive, maybe seven. And, 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 and all of a sudden, there's this, this record, this CD in Danny's car that I'm using. And I put it on. And selection number 13 is called Tremble. And I, I, I've heard you sing it. I, I, most time we don't even hardly listen to the, you know, we just... Don't look at me like that. We, but all of a sudden, those words, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, you know I can't sing. I wish I could. So I'm not singing in that car. I'm shouting to the top of my voice, tears streaming down my eyes. And I'm shouting, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence death. And by the time I drove up in that driveway, the pale of despair and discouragement was gone. Jesus is on the throne. Bud has been elevated to heaven and eternal life. And my heart isn't, sometimes you have to encourage yourself. And finally, who encourages us? The saints. The past saints. Hebrews chapter 11. You got to reach Hebrews chapter 11 again. All these endured. Remember? They all made it. They, they, they didn't receive the fullness of the promise, but they were encouraged and held on and lived by faith until the end. And yet they didn't get all the promise. God had something better waiting even for us. But we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses of past saints and, and as we look at their text, why do you read the Bible and read David and Goliath and, and Jonah and the big fish? And, because they give you encouragement. The stories of those past saints were surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and therefore we can lay aside because they made it. Then they encourage us to lay aside the weights and the sins that do so easily beset us and to run with patience the race that is set before us, looking under the greatest encourager of all, Jesus, the author, the finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high in victory. And because we know they made it, they encourage and give us heart and provoke us and, 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 and agitate us and stir us and spur us on that we can win. Past saints are important. But it's not only the past saints, it's present saints. It's people right here in our circle that speak the word or do the act that encourage and comfort and console. Who, who in your circle encourages you presently I can tell you right now there's two people come here ever so often that every time they walk through the door my heart leaps with encouragement their name's Elvio and June Canavasio if, if you haven't read Elvio's book you need to read it together over a hundred years of missionary service. Together, miracle, manifestation of the Holy Spirit, churches started, lives changed. When they walk through the door, my heart leaps. 
Amen. They, they encourage me. You, you know who encourages me? His name's Dan. He's the nuttiest guy I ever met. Love him with all my heart. We've been friends for 50 years. He helped me at the school for six years. Every day he'd tell me, let's pray, Bob. We can do this. God's going to help us do this. Every day I felt like I can't go another step. Dan said, we're going to make it. He encouraged me. Jim Eby, my best friend in the Lord, led me to the Lord, lives in Houston, Texas. Don't see him very often. All I have to do is say, hey, Bob, this is Jim. My heart leaps. You know who encourages me? Her name's Edith. And for 50, almost 56 years, just another month, quietly, unassumingly, by my side, saying, honey, you can do it. God's going to use you. God's going to do it through you. And you can do it with excellence. And my heart is encouraged and spurred onward. Uh, okay. Ham, who in your circle encourages you? Oh, my wife. Who right here encouraged me at school her in selfish love for someone she'd never met I'll never I, I bring that up to you all the time I know you're tired of it but I want to tell you it, it came at the right moment right before Christmas to spur my heart on her act of generosity anybody here know who encourages you raise your hand that's what the circle does but the real question is, who do you encourage? Today, the scripture says, do it today. Don't let the day pass. Don't let your heart, be, heart become hard like cement and unfeeling toward one another. But today, make the call. Today, write the letter. Today, send the email. Today, buy the gift. Today, speak the... Who are you encouraging? And so, Mrs. Thompson, the fourth grade teacher, she should have known about Timmy's daughter. It was in all of his school records. Kindergarten, teacher said, Timmy is bright, has great potential, curious, eager to learn, passed the first grade. First grade teacher wrote, Timmy is a smart young man. He comprehends problems very easily expresses himself well passed to the second grade teacher second grade wrote you know Timmy is smart but he's really having problems he's easily distracted now we, we think something is wrong at home we, we think his mother is ill passed to the third grade third grade teacher says Timmy has great potential but you know his mother died this year He's been distracted. Barely did enough work to pass to the fourth grade. Now in the fourth grade, Timmy is a mess. Has no attention span. 
because he can't concentrate. He disturbs everybody else. Because he's agitated and hurt and bitter over the loss of his mother, he does the same to the entire class. He disrupts the class constantly. And he never does well on his work. And so Mrs. Thompson writes F on all of his papers. Until just before Christmas of that fourth grade class. And they had a Christmas party like every class used to do. And the kids bring gifts. And Timmy brought a paper sack. And in the paper sack was a bracelet that had rhinestones on it and one of them were missing. And a half-used bottle of perfume. And the other kids laughed. And there was something about the look on Timmy's face when the other kids laughed that touched Mrs. Thompson's heart and she didn't want them to laugh anymore. And so she put the bracelet on and held it up to the light so it would reflect the light and said, look, look how beautiful. And she took the perfume and put some behind her ear and on her wrist and put some all the other girls so doesn't it smell good and when the party was over and everyone had gone Timmy starts out the door and when he gets to the door he stops and he turns back and he says Mrs. Thompson now you look like and smell like my mother used to Miss Thompson's heart breaks and she goes home over that break and being a Christian she weeps and cries and repents and prays and she makes a determination that when school starts again it's going to be different she keeps Timmy in from the playground and she puts out the effort energy and effort to teach and to bring him up to speed and she works with him day after day afternoon after afternoon until finally passes the fourth grade with flying colors and she doesn't hear much until a few years later she gets a note that says, Dear Miss Thompson, just want you to know that I'm about to graduate from high school and I'm the valedictorian in my class. Thank you for what you did for me. Love, Timmy Stoddard. A few years later, she, she gets a, a, a letter and says, I was a, Dear Miss Thompson, I was accepted in college, spent four years graduating as a valedictorian in my college class and has been accepted into med school. Thank you for what you did for me. Love, Timmy Stoddard. A few years later, she gets another letter and says, Dear Miss Thompson, med school's behind me, residence over. I'll be starting my practice. Can you believe that, Dr. Timothy Stoddard? And it won't be long until I get married, just a few months. And I'd like for you, Miss Thompson, to come and sit where my mother sat. Thank you for what you did for me. Love, Timmy Stoddard. And clutching that letter, she did. Did you know that there are Timmy Stoddards in your circle? Their hearts are burdened agitated, fearful. And encouragement is your word, your deed that propels them forward, that restores their heart. 
love one another. Confess and forgive. Pray and serve. But most of all, encourage one another. Stand with me right now. Thank you, Father. Would you speak to us by your encourager, the Holy Spirit? And Father, I ask you right now to show us in our circle someone that needs that touch, that needs that gift, that needs that call, that needs that word. Help us to see by taking just a few minutes, we will propel them forward and onward. And their hearts will be comforted and sold. Help us to speak that word and do that deed. In Jesus' name, while you're just standing here and as we close, no one looking around, how many would make a pledge with me? You want, and you mentioned their names, people who encourage you. But that's only half the circle. We have to do our part to encourage someone else. How many of you make a pledge that today, this week, well, it is yet today, well, we yet have time, somewhere, some way, somehow, you'll make the call, write the letter, give the gift, reach out and touch. Some way you'll do an act or a deed that will propel somebody else onward and give them their heart and strength back. You, you would do that this week. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.